0: You're listening to Steel City Music. And of course, I'm your host, Jamie Gunner-Smith. It takes 10 years for me to actually do an interview with the Dirty Nil, And I've been a big fan of this band for since the first time I saw them and heard them way back in the day. Three-piece out of uh, Dundas, Ontario. And uh, they rock. It's anthem rock. It's fun rock. They put on an amazing live show. They make me laugh. And... Uh, it's just awesome that I get a chance to uh, talk with Luke after all of these years so sit back relax uh, get to know the Dirty Nil, their music how it started uh, antidotes positivity keeping focus and all those wonderful things all of that uh, in the next uh, couple hours yeah it's a couple hours it's a lot of music and some uh, cool banter from Luke not so much me Here's Luke from the dirty nil hey joining me right now is uh is is uh, a gentleman via Zoom who I assume is tired of doing zoom interviews just like the rest of us in society over the last two years uh Luke Bentham from uh, the Dirty nil hi buddy how's it going I'm good I, I I gotta tell you this has been uh this is I think this has been like 10 years in the making this chat yeah it's kind of embarrassing a little bit for me. Because over the last 10 or 11 years, since you guys been around, I would constantly say either something horrible about you on the air, making fun of you, telling you that I was secretly in love with the band. Um, And I had all this and I said that you guys were pretty much the saviors of rock and roll for me. Over the last 10 years. And I know it's, you don't tell people that you don't say crap like that on the air, but I couldn't help myself because whenever I, I, I played the band or I went, I witnessed the band and went, Oh my God, you don't want to follow that on stage. <laughs> you just don't want to do it. You know? And and that, that was playing into my own years of seeing bands go up on stage and looking at their shoes while they played. Whereas when I saw you guys off the skip, it was like they're gonna break something. Oh, something's gonna get broke for sure, man. You know, so that that was my weird adulation I had for uh, the dirty nil. No.
1: Well, that is that is sick, and I appreciate the uh, the uh, suspiciously warm intro very much so. Uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, that's that's a very very high compliment to pay. I mean, we've um, we've always just tried to make the goal of it to. Um, to have fun, basically. I mean, as cheesy as that is, like, um, you know, we've uh we did it because I think the other thing too is that we I mean we we kind of joined a scene when we were in our early twenties, I guess, but
0: You were in your early twenties. Came from 20s? Dundas.
1: So there wasn't a there wasn't a whole lot of bands kicking around Dundas for us to learn from.
0: The uh, the thing about the Dirty Nil though, I didn't know you guys were in your twenties. I thought you were a little bit younger. Like I thought you guys were like nineteen. 18. I guess it's like early 20s. It's around the same thing. But you guys to me you guys just came off like you just did 52,000 all-ages shows in one day. Like you know that 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 youthful energy that you see when you see a band you're like going, "Holy crap." Like like what's like how much are you guys in love with this? Like cuz every every note, every lick, everything on in the stage was like it was just like this sort of like exuberant chaos when I first saw you guys.
1: Well, Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, depending on when you first saw us, like, well, we we started the band, Kyle and I, in 2006. So we were 16. Yeah. Just turned 16. And um, yeah, we still have it now. So, um, but I mean, in and amongst that time, obviously, like we didn't get cooking when we were 16. We were still in high school. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that, you know we were the first youtube generation and we learned about rock and roll from youtube and you know we gravitated towards mm-hmm. bands that could uh could really bring it um on video and not just uh as you said stare at their shoes so we Is we that
0: kinda... that uh, bands that could bring it does that um, when you when you talk about the youtube is that your introduction to uh to like bands like the replacements or, or or even local dude you know mike Troublecock, who you apparently you learned guitar from at, at a young mm-hmm. age he was your guitar instructor uh uh bands like the kills with that kind of stuff is that what you learned off of youtube like that style of music the replacements all that kind of stuff husker well Doom. my
1: my entry point to like like prop like music proper i would say was was definitely nirvana and it was like uh when I was 11 or like turning 12, they dropped that song, you know, you're right. And it was on, um, much music, like heavy rotation. And I remember watching it one morning before school, like that excellent propaganda video of a music video they have for that, for that song and, uh, kind of lionizes Kurt Cobain. And I remember like watching that and my parents were like, just kind of, my parents were not having the brash sound that was coming out of the TV that early before they had to go to work. And <laughs> I remember being kind of like taking note of how much they disliked the music that was being played. And I just thought, well, I have to look into this more then. Um, but I mean, I have to give the, a lot of credit to Mike Treblecock for um, for teaching me about rock and roll. I mean, like when I, when I first... When I first got a guitar, um, my um, my uh, my my godfather gave me my first guitar. It was a Squire Stratocaster, and uh, I phoned up looking for guitar lessons in Dundas, our little town. And Avalon Music Academy was the first in the phone book, and I phoned them up. And um, first guy I talked to was Steve Parton, rest in peace, who owned the academy. Lovely, lovely, absolute gem of a human being. I wish they made more like him. And uh, he said, well, do you want to learn more like classical guitar? Or like, I remember exactly what he said. He said, or like Black Sabbath Green Day. I'm like, definitely the second one. And he said, okay, well, I'm going to put you in with Mike Travelcock." And I remember meeting Mike. And I was like this tall, you know, I was like a little munchkin. And I brought my giant Squire Stratocaster in there. And he first, he tuned it up. And I was still playing with my thumb then because this is we didn't even have an internet connection or anything. I was just trying to like learn how guitar worked with my thumb. And Mike said, well, listen, I'm not going to tell you how to do your style, but I recommend you use a pick. So he showed me how to hold a pick. And then as I slowly, you know, crawled tooth and nail up the hill of like of like, you know, beginners competency, then I started to get into like, you know, louder and louder music and mike showed me the replacements and that changed my life mike showed me pavement um anything i would bring in he would be he would be super enthusiastic to teach me he's still been trying to teach me theory for like 20 years but i'm very resistant to that um i uh i owe i owe a lot to mike mike um mike i could tell when I first started working with him um, and learning from him that he had just gotten out of the killjoys or they were just winding down and looking back, I can tell that he probably had some, um, I don't think that it necessarily left him in a positive state of mind about how things kind of came to a conclusion with the, with the band and and his time in that kind of, industry at that time but um what I will always credit mike with was that he never ever let a, even a glimmer of that feeling into the the lesson room when he was teaching me guitar never let any you know and I don't I can't pretend to to fully understand where his head was at but you know just from my own time in the industry i can imagine and and just kind of also knowing what the music industry was in the late nineties and early two thousands, um, and being signed to a major label like they were, um, I can understand that there was, um, that there must've been some feelings, uh, that were not necessarily all positive. And, uh, as I said, Mike was just, a what everything that a, a true teacher should be, he was enthusiastic and extremely positive and, um, you know, if I had somebody that maybe wore their feelings on their sleeve a bit more. Um, and again, again, not to project or, or to, uh, to infer anything that I don't have any evidence for, but if I would have had a more negative teacher, I don't know if I would be doing this. So that's a,
0: that's a great point to make about, uh, about, about, especially about art and music and, uh, and crushing people's dreams really, because I find that now, uh, as I get older, um, that I don't. Uh, I when someone, a younger someone from the younger generations, plays me something, they go, Well, what do you think it is? I pick the positives out of it, you know. If it's it, yeah. even if it's not even if it's not up to par, I go, Okay, well, you know, what you guys have done here is, is really good. Here's some solid points in there that you should work on. Um, but let's let let's work on the actual recording pro- process, let's find a way of going in a studio and having someone help you along to make it a little bit better than what it what it can be before yeah. you start soliciting this material to, to others. Right. Because you always yeah. want to put your best foot forward. Of course. And, and, you know, and over the years I've learned that just because things didn't work out for me and I have like this, I, you know, this knowledge of of negativity of things that have stifled myself or others around me, it's a terrible thing to put that on someone who uh, is is learning their way and and wanting to like make something of and to be creative. You you never want to stifle creativity like that.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree. And, you know, also to Mike's credit, like I would bring in some like drop D new metal bullshit and he'd be like, he'd whip out, he'd tune down his Yamaha acoustic and be like, all right, I'll show you how to play this. Like he kept his kind of, um, yeah. He he checked his taste at the door, and would would teach me whatever I was enthusiastic about. That being said, if I did bring in cool shit, he'd be like, "Okay, let's definitely learn this." Like, yeah,
0: well, that's, that goes um, so. saying, though.
1: I could tell his his poker face would fade a little bit, and you could see a genuine spark in his face when I bring in like, "Can you show me how to play Bastards of Young or something?" Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike showed me the replacements, and the replacements are my favorite band of all time. So, I mean, them and the Who like are kind of sure, knack, depending on the day. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was just an incredibly important for me looking back to have Mike as a teacher.
0: That's a that you know having all of those things earlier on in your career. <clears throat> Excuse me, and moving along now to the stage that you're in now with the Dirty Nil, um, uh, how does that? Uh, are you are you do you still try to obviously you still try to keep those positive things uh, feedback to others that come up to you? Because I, I I I see it now with the other bands, and I remember over the years that whenever I was because I used to be the tour manager for the Killjoys and do all the music stuff, there would always be a young band coming up going, "Can we open up for you? Can we do this? Can we do that? Can we do this?" and you, you, you try to help them, but you can't have them on the bill all the time. How do you how do you deal with that now? Or is that just something you just say, well, here's here's Dynalones or or I should say our managers, you know, number this, the promoter, that sort of thing. Or do you well, still have a you, say?
1: You know, we do what we can like um, and I'm always trying to remind myself of what it was like, you know, when we were 17 and we just made our first EP that we we're incredibly proud of. And right. we were, you know, spamming people, like, trying to get shows. And, you know, there's one – I mean, there was – you know, not, not to go off into the weeds, but I remember, like, we had just gotten our first master copy, like, CD of our yeah. first EP that we made. And this is in, I guess, the beginning of 2008. And I saw uh, – we went and saw the Foo Fighters. And I still – I had this CD because i just come from the studio. And I saw outside – Um. uh uh, ian and john from billy talent and i was like oh my god this is so serendipitous here you got to take this thing and i was and they very graciously took it but I, i kind of in my you know 17 year old um uh you know just like idealism was like i'm gonna be we're gonna get a call it's all gonna happen And, you know, it just doesn't quite work that way. You know, like we didn't, we didn't quite get a call and I don't blame them for that because I can't even imagine how inundated they are with people's demos and all that shit. But I mean, fast forward, uh, nine years and we're like playing in European arenas with them. So, you know,
0: that's gotta be weird, I don't, you know, I mean, you tell the story and we know that you did it, but it still has to be a weird feeling. Of starting out learning, playing, and doing all the shows, and then all of a sudden, there is this like you're actually in Europe playing with like super huge bands. I mean, did you not open up for the Who at one point?
1: Yeah, we did. Yeah, it's all my birthday. It's great. on day. your like so like, that's yeah. got to be like
0: you, you kind of sit back and go, how did this happen? like what's what's going on?
1: Well, it's like life works for everybody, you know, it's it's it, I think it does take conscious energy to to push like it's I think it's my brain works I would say in a in a similar way to most people where when good things happen you say yes this good thing happened but you got to remember the, the the you know the the nullifying context that it occurred in and these kind of detract from it and yes we got to do this but all these negative things happen around it and you have to force yourself to see the positive, but those kinds of events require zero reframing at all. It's like, we're playing with the fucking who this is the best day ever.
0: Yeah. Um, That's like that, that kind of justifies all the incredible crappy drives, even though I love them.
1: Yes. Um, Yeah. I mean, like there's (laughs) always something like there's like, it's very easy to gravitate towards and, 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 And stare at the negatives in life that's how life works you know um but it's 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 much more productive to focus on the positive things that are happening obviously um but yeah in terms of like helping out younger bands like i you know obviously every band has to keep that soft spot for what it's what it's like when you're trying but that being said like you have to carve your own path at the the same time like i i remember all the people that were really nice to me when we were kids and and gave us opportunities but um there's you can put on like you can put a young band on uh like or like a a really enthusiastic band on on a bill but if they can't if if it's it's just a kind of a single opportunity they have to earn those fans themselves um even when they get up on that stage they got to be good and so there's like i think you know there's no substitute for like getting better and, and being a good band and making good songs and right. good recordings and putting on a good show. That's kind of mm-hmm. how I see it, not to uh, be too reductionist about it. But
0: we just, we were just talking about, you know, we mentioned The Who and, and you, you did the European tours, that sort of thing. And, and you're playing around, you going down to Philly, you go down in the States, and you play all these shows. But it, I always find it interesting when I ask uh, uh, an artist, at what point when you were on the stage did you? kind of look at each other and go, you know what? This just might work out. I think we're, I think we're going to be all right. Or are you, are you, are you still waiting for that moment? I think it's kind of like,
1: I don't know, like you have those kind of glimpses of like where you, where you definitely can appreciate that you've, you know, ascended at least some, some height of, uh, uh, on the limitless mountain. Like uh, the first, the first time I think we sold out the Casbah lounge con, I looked at each other like, damn dude, there's a hundred people here. Yeah. Um, they paid, they each paid eight bucks. It's crazy. Um, so, I mean, there's those moments for sure. But um, I think as with all things in all parts of life that like, there's, there's never a kind of like final feeling of, of, accomplishment it's always kind of i think you got to kind of keep pushing towards the next thing and that's i think that's how we're wired um is you, you have to appreciate when like fuck yeah it all worked out this is amazing this is certainly a pretty good indicator that things are going well but also like what's the next thing what are we gonna what's our next project that we're working on um that's kind of how it works for us like um but that's not to say that we, we certainly stop and smell the roses as as much as possible.
0: So you're the, the way you the dirty nil works is is that it's always like if we're not if we're not writing if we're not recording we're working on um, a video or what's the next uh, idea in social media to to push us to gain further fans or further notice that sort of thing it's like is that how it's is it—is it is that the the jibber jabber in your brains where it's like okay well we've done this this and this the next three months we have to do this this and this will we get a will we do a commercial will we try to get a, a our some of our music on a soundtrack of a movie is it is it is it always that for you guys
1: yes there there is certainly no rest for the wicked uh i like we can play a huge sold out show and you know it'll be awesome and i mean the way my brain works is that like the next day even though i'm really tired i'll go down to our practice space and start writing more songs or trying um i've learned i've learned from my time in this industry to never take your foot off the gas ever um it's kind of like i don't know i think like also the pandemic has kind of highlighted that there are no guarantees. Um, so it's, uh, it's very important to, to just keep working and keep, cause it's fun. Like Steve Albini said, the reward for hard work is more hard work. Um, the reward for good work, I think is more, I don't know, something, something to that effect. Like
0: the, the reward is the opportunity to just keep going.
1: Yeah. Really? Partially so- for sure. Um, um it is not lost i mean we've in our 16 years as a band like you know i'm sure you can imagine how many bands that we've played with and been friends with that like and like 98 percent of them don't exist anymore
0: yeah they just they just break up they disappear for one reason or another yeah yeah and and they all become real estate
1: agents or whatever
0: oh oh what a painful thing i'm sorry Uh, anyone i know who's a real estate agent no No shade on anybody that's a real estate agent. No, it's just, it's just, I've, it, between (laughs) the thing I like about Facebook is like, I like to keep tabs and everyone, but I don't want to go to a showing. I just don't want to look through a house I can't afford and crush my dreams. Just don't want to do it. Thank you very much. The hustle is real. The hustle is real. You said something interesting earlier about okay, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. We did this great show. And I go down into the basement. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to like doodle around, maybe write some thoughts down or, or play a lick. But to me, how does that start uh, for you, uh, for you guys as the dirty nil? Uh, you spent 16 years. It starts out. Does it, Did it start out with uh, with Luke sitting by himself writing lyrics or did it start with a guitar lick or and has it changed from I did this thing on stage I really enjoyed doing. I'm gonna take that lick and then write a song around it. How does it work for you guys?
1: Well, I mean it's 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 definitely changed over time. And you know, the band started because my parents got a Mac computer for a Christmas 2015, I think it was, or maybe it's 2016 and when we got that or sorry 2006 rather damn long time ago 2005 or 2006 i can't quite remember but we got a mac computer and uh with my my godfather who as i said got me my first guitar he's he he bought us uh, an interface and GarageBand <clears throat> came stock on it and i just kind of started like writing music in the loosest possible sense of the of the of the term like in GarageBand and I found it just completely electrifying and then I was best friends with Kyle so I was like yo Kyle check this out like I have this song and um and uh Kyle's like okay let's play it so then we played it and then like I just kind of kept trying things in GarageBand and then it moved from like I basically stopped using GarageBand altogether and then would sometimes just like go and Kyle would play a cool drum thing and then I would write some guitar to it and write some vocals and then sometimes and then and and you know sometimes um I mean a lot of the time it's like I write the first draft of the song like I write the chords the you know the guitar parts and then the um like at least a sketch of the vocals or a chorus and then I'll play it with Kyle and kind of uh Kyle has a very specific drum style that I find very inspirational to play with. Um I think it's because like Kyle loves rap music so that he plays (laughs) drums kind of like that. And um he has uh I mean he's always kind of like learning new things and trying new things. But I, I, I think that you know we have a we have a unique once in a lifetime Musical chemistry together when it comes to um, at least like I've never felt like the joy of music with anybody else. And I've played in other bands and I've played with other people independently. But. um, Kyle is like. I feel I feel like we're 16 all the time still when we play together, you know,
0: that's the, that's what more could you ask for? Cause that's, yeah. ins, that's inspiration. That's, that's your, your genesis of your, when you got, we're really getting into something and why would you ever want to lose that feeling? Well, in any perish
1: the thought of losing that feeling.
0: I well, yeah, but, but you, were, we were just saying earlier when we started chatting that, you know, that there are things that beat you down in life. Right. So like, even when you just said, you know, here's Mike from the Killjoys coming off the end of uh, you know the late 90s early 2000s shutting things down and you know there could be a point where he doesn't want to be creative anymore that sort of thing and to, to keep that feeling of being a 16 year old the exuberance I think is uh, is perfect what you were just talking about and you would hear that through uh through your albums as well you know when you know, when I go back and I listen to stuff and I always enjoy playing the covers um I remember I remember I took some flack years ago I don't know how many years ago but I went back on the air after a while and I just, I just played the dirty nil for a whole hour. That was it. I just, I just went, this is what you're going to listen to for this hour. I play cuts off of what was out at the time. And I got like, I got some, I got some messages and they're like, "What are you just playing this for. How come you're not playing the rest of Hamilton music? There's a lot of Hamilton music. I play Hamilton music for 30 years for this one hour. I'm gonna indulge you in something I think you should listen to because it's a lot of fun. Like just I was I was challenging the listener. Listen to this. It's okay. We don't have to have multi-different songs from different artists in this. You can enjoy and find some enjoyment in this. Other people loved it. I remember even reading on Twitter that people were like, Oh, no, this is great. know, oh, dirty Nail, that sort of thing. I think even the band acknowledges like somebody's playing an hour up at 1015 when it was called The Hawk, I think a couple of years ago. But those are those kind of things that when you go back and you listen to those albums and you spin them and, and, and as a listener, um, I always think if I wrote that and I was in a studio and I fought for that song to get on the album and then I played it on stage and the audience didn't get it, I think I'd be crushed. Like, are there songs that you fought for where you're like going, this, this is the song that's going to be great. And then it just got this like flat reaction. But then years later, you play it again and everyone's like going, hey, that's fantastic.
1: If I'm being completely truthful, I mean, I think I have at this point now, like when I write a song, I know whether it's a banger or not. I know, I know, I, um, I, I really am not surprised much anymore in terms of if i'm really happy with a song it's it's usually gonna go over really well um right there's there's other like there's mitigating and that's just like i'm not not to sound arrogant but that is you know typically if i'm if i say this like it's clear to all in the room with which ones are like this one's good really this one's a cut above the other ones um and so i've never really i've never had some sort of like jet and it's and they're all kind of like it's like power pop with melodies and um somewhat humorous lyrics like it's it's i I think that there are there are definitely things that i think are kind of somewhat like i'm i'm a little less like yeah whatever that song's like uh whatever and people really like those songs sometimes um but yeah i mean once in a while you're kind of like yeah this song's gonna be like real like this one i you know it's really slamming and then it's kind of like, yeah, that one's pretty like people kind of they're like, it's not bad, but it's not like my favorite one for the record. So there's a little bit of that, but I think that the general um, the general kind of surprise for me usually is like when I've been sitting on a song for a while and we record it and it takes for a while for it to come out and I'm kind of like over it. And then when it comes out, people really like it because they're hearing it for the first time. But and- your
0: ears are dead. Like you're yeah, just I've like, heard yeah. it too many
1: times of you know, and I'm like I'm on to other things. And so um, you know, that's kind of the place that I like to be though. I don't I I I I really obviously like I'm an entertainer, so I feed off of positive reinforcement for sure. But sure, yeah. I do like to be, you know, uh off into the or at like what I guess for all intents and purposes is the future, like working on new things or new ideas while the public is somewhat just hearing the older things for the first time um that's a good place to be i like that place much better than you know um when we would like some at at certain points in our career we would make a record and then just like stop basically like go on hang out and and just kind of like you know and uh as I said, take our foot off the gas creatively and, uh, it wouldn't lead to good things. So we kind of have a, we, that is, uh, we have an opposite policy now towards those things of just continually working, which I find to be much better. Um, but, um, no, I, I will say though, that like, anytime we put out music and seeing, that it resonates with anybody, that that thrill never never fades right. for me.
0: How do you uh, how do you deal with when you go out on the road? And of course, you know we're, we're going to chat about uh, the new single uh, "Bye Bye Big Bear," which is which is great. But uh, when you go out on the road, do you find uh, when you're playing a new album that the audience is like screaming for stuff off the past the the past albums? So. As you said, you know this. I, I feed off of that. It's like a good energy. People want that. But do you find that sometimes you'll go back on the road and just play the old album in its entirety, plus the new album in its entirety? Like do you know, what I mean, mean like, we, oh, throwing some like the older albums back and then playing them just for fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, like we definitely try and hit the uh, hit the hit the gotta play songs um every night or most nights um but i mean like we're we have a we have a lot of music out there now so it's impossible to make everybody happy and i've kind of learned to live with that but to be completely honest with you also like we've been fortunate fortunate enough that like every single record that we've put out has brought in more people and has become you know we have our like higher power people who are like they want to hear just like the fast crazy stuff which is super fun to play we have the master volume people that want to hear, you know, uh, th- like that material, which I obviously still love as well. But like last fall when we went out and did like s- two months behind Fuck Art, most people just wanted to hear Fuck Art. And so we were, you know, not that we we didn't adjust the assess- set list accordingly, but I was kind of, we had, I had no, we hadn't really played that material before we recorded it. So I didn't really know what people I- were going to uh how they were going to respond to it. But most, most of the people in the crowds at those shows, fuck art was their entry point. So sure. Um, yeah. We haven't quite hit that point yet where people are like, ah, I just wish they played more of that last album. Like I'm sure that that day will come, but we, we haven't quite hit it yet, which is lovely.
0: Well, it, it sounds like you have a, as you just said, you know, gaining more artists in the gaining more fans at an entry point on a certain album. Uh, helps uh, helps the draw that sort of thing but i was also just thinking what kind of set like how long of a set does the dirty nil do because you got a lot to draw from you know is it free is it is it good for you guys to go out and do because there was always a thing about with with pop punk those sort of things less is more well we're only going to give them a 45 minute set well then things change we're gonna give them an hour set well, we'll give them an hour and 15, a solid set, plus uh, two encore songs, that sort of thing. Or do you guys just do a straight a straight 90 and watch everyone just sweat to death?
1: I mean, we kind of always are changing how we're doing it, but I'm, I'm kind of in the mentality of the, um, give them like, you know, 45 to an hour of just like, and like, you know, and rip through it. And like, cause it, you know, and when we play like a big, you know, Hometowner or something then like you know we i think we kind of relax that idea a little bit but in general you know um i i i subscribe to the johnny ramon philosophy on things where he said you know he saw he saw that he saw the beatles play for 25 minutes at shea stadium you know hit them with your best stuff and get the hell off there like i i don't i also don't want to like make people feel like they've been cheated out of their ticket money of course but like we're definitely not like we're not playing like marathon springsteen sets and where because we're we're loud we're really loud and we um we we're we have a lot of intense material um there's not a whole lot of balladry in there or there's not an acoustic portion of the set it's like uh i think that um i like to give people a reason to come back the next time and um you know it's uh, there was a part of me uh, there's a po- point in time where I was like well we have to play all of these songs like and then now there's just so much material that it's like okay well we can't possibly physically play all this material that people want to hear and we get messages or people yelling at us up you didn't play this song it's like yeah i know because we can't we literally can't play it all um yeah. which i it's 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 one of those good problems to have but um we try and accommodate people like we'll hit like we'll tweet out like what do you guys want to hear tonight we'll try and we'll try and accommodate you but and we switch it up every night a bit so um yeah no i think um i think rock and roll is is best in like you know uh a, a furious blitz and then like a complete just like explosion and ending that's 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 where my my head's at i don't really i'm not a huge fan of um super long self-indulgent sets personally.
0: So that means no encore?
1: Depends. I mean, like we kind of go through different, like I think we have a bit of a sarcastic relationship with the encore. We don't really like doing it as a as a like a as a method of course like or as like a It seems like,
0: forced. It yeah, does. I don't like that. No, it does. And and everyone's done it over the years. Uh Even our pals the Killjoys have done it and I always and they always went Sigh we really doing this can we not just you know just not do the encore but everyone was always cheering for that that big cover song that they did you know like whatever it is that they did um dreaming you know the song dreaming uh from blondie or like whatever and then everyone could would still be going crazy at the end of the night and they would they would do that um but i just got an article sent to me recently from a friend and it was just like encores are out in this generation This generation musician doesn't really want to do an encore anymore. So it's pretty valid.
1: Well, I prefer to just say, hey, listen, this is like, this has been fun. We've got like two or three left for you and that's it. So here here Um, you go.
0: Merch tables in the back.
1: Yeah. Tip your bartender. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: That's, I mean, I, I'm, 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 um, I completely agree that like when it, when it feels like, as I said, just like a, like it when it feels forced and there's like it's just and i think a better uh, as i said i i I like to just try and strike the balance if we can of like playing a full set for sure but all of our songs are two and a half minutes so it's not a lot of music it is a lot like we our songs are shorter than almost like any other band you'll talk to on average like they're our, our long extended songs are like four minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're not we're not f-ing around with our arrangements. We're lean and mean. We're uh, we're the we're the uh, we're the first Internet generation. We don't have time for for jamming and filler and 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 that it's just don't bore us. Get to the chorus.
0: That's the uh, I, the, the attention span. And I, th- I think you just nailed it right there where like, there's just too much going on. There's too sure. much going on. To keep yeah. to hold your attention you know now we're inundated with tiktok for some time now we have all this social media we have lights we have sounds how the hell are you supposed to hold my attention for more than what it is at this moment yeah. you know
1: yeah and every band is different and like but i just like i don't aside from like you know Jimi hendrix i just don't have any patience or reverence for like jam music or anything of that ilk. Like I've never been able to, like, I love the iconography, but I don't like the grateful dead at all. And I will never pretend that I do uh, or anything like that because like, I just, it's like, who's got time for the great, like in the time that I could listen to one grateful dead song, I could listen to like, I don't know, five sick power pop tunes or like, uh, I don't know. It's uh it's it's what you like, and I think that like what I I got to a when I when I was younger and I heard like a song that worked that was really short but it worked for some reason, and it d- was like half the length of a traditional song like um, my United States of whatever by Liam Lynch or anything from guided by voices where like i don't know why this works but it's so short why does it why do songs have to be so so long um i think that there's definitely a voice in the back of my head every time like how short can we make this and still make it make it have as ma- the maximum power as possible I-, I think that there's i'm always kind of being pushed back against uh, of like cutting things out they're like no this part's great don't cut it out and i'm like okay we'll keep it in for now but uh
0: i think you would actually be a great uh record rep for uh, editing songs for radio because radio is like give me that like you just said give me give me the guts right now like give me that yeah. chorus right off give me give me five seconds of the chorus even before you hit the guitar and it's like just give me gimme give gimme give gimme give and keep it under if you can do this in two minutes and 30 seconds god love you
1: yeah yeah i mean i i i'm just i i everybody's different but i definitely have a uh i have a tendency towards like super short concentrated arrangements um and um there are it it usually takes a panel consensus to override that in me. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm glad you you said a panel consensus because I was going to ask you at some point. I mean, we all need a gatekeeper. We say we don't. Billy Corgan for years says I don't need a gatekeeper, and then his own band and his management made him go to therapy, and said you cannot control every aspect of what we're doing here. It's it's just maddening. Uh, who are your trusted gatekeepers for the dirty nil when you when you want to put a song out or bounce an idea off of?
1: Well, we've got, I mean, I definitely always talk to, I mean, principally it's Kyle and then yeah. like, and then, you know, whoever else we've played with, I definitely value anybody else that's taking part in the song's opinion. Um, but, um, you know, I I, I think that um, if something's too short or too long, like you can hear it like, and it's not, it's not, um, it's, it's not, uh, every song's different too. Um, but I definitely have like my friends, like Adam Bentley, who have been working with the band for like 11 years, who I, yeah. whose opinion I, I, I weigh quite heavily. And then other friends, like I have other friends that have the same job as me writing songs. And I, I shoot things over to them or I go up and play guitars together and show them something I'm working on. They show me something they're working on. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I, I'm not, I'm definitely not opposed to changing my thinking on things. And sometimes I, I, I can recognize when I'm in a state where I'm just, where I'm a little too, where my thinking isn't right on things and that I am leaning a bit more heavily on outside opinion because I'm a little lost in the sauce. Cause I've worked with something for too long and I'm like, okay, what do you think about this? Right. Um, but usually sh- but like sometimes i am a religious zealot where i'm like no it has to be this way like this is how it goes but um i definitely um i'm definitely more the the former um i'm i'm definitely very cl- i want everyone to be as stoked as possible
0: again pushing forward the uh moving forward in a positive vibe of putting being creative about something is making sure that it's in a positive light at all times for you
1: as much as possible i mean like when when you have create like when you have any kind of group work there's going to be creative tensions or i hate
0: group that. work D- what a, what an awful thing to say i hate group work
1: it's uh i mean it has its days man where um um it's not it's not you know it's it it moves a little slower than you maybe think it could but yeah. um in general um you know i've found the way to kind of circum like to to get the most out of group work is that like when we play and when we work on things i've done my work and i've done my homework and i'm bringing in some fire ass songs to work on rather than like looking at everybody like what do you think of this chord you know it's like okay well this i got this one i got this one i got that one let's let's okay this one we're getting to a bit of a brick wall on this one we're slowing down on this so let's just let this one let's put this one on the back burner and let it simmer right and we'll, let's take out this one and work on this one um rather than having okay i brought i I have one new song let's work on that until we hate each other
0: <laughs> i was just gonna bring that up because when you when you when you when you got this idea this rough outline are you are you saying i mean you, you have this great relationship but you just said with kyle of like okay well i know he's drums like this and i know i can write a song around this there's this energy that sort of thing but do you when you come into a song and you're sitting in the recording studio, are you saying, I hear the drums like this. I hear the bass going this way. And then you wait for people just to change it, to show you another way.
1: I usually try and just say, well, like, I, I think that the best way to do it is like, okay, well, I'll bring in, like I'll write the song and we will work on the arrangement together. And that means you find your place within it. And that means sometimes that the song changes, yeah, but um, I I like to typically I mean, like the one of the biggest lessons I've learned in this industry, and I'm sure it's the same in any industry is like work with people who you like what they do rather than like, you know, like so that you like you don't want to micromanage people in anything. Like when it comes to when when we work with visual artists or anything like the less that you have to like get down into the weeds on things, the better. And the older I get, the more like, I think accepting and embracing I am of like other flavors that I don't necessarily, that wouldn't necessarily be my primary choice. Right. Um, I think that the old, like the older I get, the more I celebrate different flavors.
0: Okay. All right. Hey, uh, before we talk about the single that you just put together uh, with the dirty nil that's out now, um, I want to just jump off topic. I want to talk about two things. I, uh, what kind of dog do you have? I see this dog with you and I laugh every time when I see you with this dog, because you're a dog lover. I see more photos of you in this dog than I see at the band.
1: Big dog guy. Yeah. Uh, he's a half Australian cattle dog and then half like every other breed. Is so he? Yeah. Mongrel. His mom was a purebred and his dad was a wild animal. So right. he's like,
0: what's the name of the dog? Leo. Leo. How long have you had Leo for?
1: Uh, since, uh, tw- uh, he's, he's four years old. I've had, we've had him for like three years.
0: He's a yeah. Good looking dog. Good boy. Good, good. Uh, big Love shout him. out to Leo man from, from. Big Gunner. shout out. He's, uh, uh yeah. Second thing man. is, is that you and I got to meet one of the coolest people that, you know, I think, and I couldn't even talk to him this time. Uh, Tommy Stinson a couple of weeks ago at the Casbah and you have this great photo with Tommy Stinson, and I'm so jealous of it. And here's here's a quick story why. Years ago, I was DJing at this ain't Hollywood. Tommy Stinson comes into play. Mike and uh, Paul, or Pete, ended up uh, from the Jellyfish, uh, no, Doughboys, they ended up doing a, uh, I don't know if you might have been at the show, they were doing an opening set, and then Tommy Stinson came up on stage. Lou, being the most gracious host that he is, he hauls me in to the back room and he goes, Tommy, this is uh, Jamie Gunner Smith, big fan, blah, blah, blah. There's a DJ. And, uh, and he, he looks at me, he smiles, He's very gracious. And he says, um, Oh, hi, uh, you know, nice, nice music you're playing. Cause I was, my whole set list that night was okay. Music that relates to Tommy Stinson who influenced him. Like I went on this rabbit hole of research, right. And I got all fanboy, and I wanted like everybody in the room. They don't care. Right, you know this. They don't care, but in my mind, I've I've built a set list of music that night that will make the night extra special. So I go and I start talking to him. Luke, God is my witness, I turned into that person you don't want to talk to. You know where it's just like I don't have the energy to talk to this Gweeb. and I just started talking and my mouth wouldn't stop, Luke, and I'm like going hey, you know, uh, I was a big fan of replacements and uh, my friend Mike Troublecock actually introduced me to the replacements back in the early 90s. And But well before that, I remember hearing about the band on on CFNY and Alan Cross. But then again, you know, your band never really broke and it became a cult-like status. And I couldn't stop talking. And his face went from like, so happy to see me to like, you know, it just dropped. And then at the end of it, I'm like going, oh God, I turned into that person. And I I just kind of like, Walked away, got out of the conversation. And I stood over in the corner. I was just like, I just embarrassed myself in front of Tommy Stinson. So now I'm thinking I'm going to go to the show and I'm going to go, hey, Tommy, you know, great, blah, 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 great set. You know, I bought a shirt. Can you sign it? And I just chickened out because I didn't want to turn into the goof, you know, the annoying goof. And then I see on the Internet, there's you with this shit eating grin, you know, standing next to me like, Ey! and I'm like, son of. Did he say anything to you? Well, two things. Number one, lie to me, make up a huge story. Go ahead. What we call what 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 we
1: call that in in the biz is uh is being a punisher. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's been a punisher. I've been a punisher. No, I definitely punished Tommy Stinson. No, oh, he, so did, you did the same. I did the thing same did. shit, dude. Don't oh, worry. Man.
0: but it's impossible
1: not to like when you meet like i don't know i'm i'm you know i'm not i'm it's like when i met pete townsend i was just like i was like oh my god like you know it's not i yeah i love these people right like i fell in love with the mythology just like you did and you know we're
0: we're not casual fans it's not no we're not uh, this is this is ingrained in us we grew up on this shit
1: and we're like oh you know I left with the same feeling of shame. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's part of the, uh, it's, it's how rock and roll works, dude.
0: I'm, I'm gonna like actually, I'm gonna have to use the Punisher line from now on. It's That's a, I be- think it,
1: I think it captures it very well.
0: <laughs> I think, it, I think, it, it, you wait on the December tenth. I'm gonna like have a lineup of Punishers ready to bring backstage just to crush your spirits. It's, you know, it's
1: uh, listen. Punishers make this make this industry work. So we uh, gotta right. appreciate the Punishers. Um, okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. And I, I'm kind of feel better that both of us are uh, in the same category.
1: Uh, no, I was uh, I was a screaming Beatles fan. Yeah.
0: Same thing. I had a Punisher moment years ago in the early '90s. I was at the Horseshoe, and uh, Yvonne Matzel introduced me to this guy named John. And we were talking about music and all this other stuff. And he started referencing things. And I'm like, well, that's a bit before my time. And then, uh, and then, and then he said his last name, where he was from. And I went, and then, and then Yvonne said, Jamie, you idiot. This is John Un- Enswissel from The Who. And it was the guy from wow. The Who. Yeah. And yeah. So I went from, I don't think I was being a punisher, but I was kind of like looking at him like, going, how did that happen? Like, where did I not, you know, like this guy's like, is the guy from the hood, you know? So yeah, I didn't turn around and go, I need you to sign this. And yeah. on this, on this album, when you put out the, when you guys put out the mono version of it, and then there, there was yeah. a backing vocals take, but the guy cut it out, but then Pete screamed, you need, you needed to back it. I didn't do any of those things. I was just still standing there going, standing next to John Entwistle. And he's talking to me, like, everything's casual telling me stories, you know, like that was, that's an amazing thing. All That's right, awesome. we better get off this fanboy crap and let's just get ready to the single. Uh, bye, bye, big bear. And uh, I, I listened to the song, and it has all the has a, the dirty you nil know, flavors to it. You know, there's some sarcasm, there's some riffs. It's all there. How long? Uh, how long did it take you to put this together? And is this just a pre-single to an, an EP or uh, coming out or an, an actual album?
1: No, it's a standalone. Uh, it's just something we. Um... We were, uh, as I said, we were all living together in a house um, in uh, downtown Hamilton. We lived there for like five years, and um, we um, we had a bunch of you know awesome musicians living with us over the years. We had Ian from Attack in Black. We had um, we had Brett, the singer of the Glorious Sons, and we had. Um, our friend Patrick from the band Seaway was living there. So, I mean, we just had this kind of rotating crew of different musicians and we just had such a good damn time down there. But I mean, it was also um, we saw some I mean, some we did. We definitely did some living and saw some crazy stuff um, in the neighborhood around the house. Um And uh, when we turned 30, which was in 2020, we decided, okay, well, it's, I guess it's time to kind of graduate to the next part of our life, chapter of our personal lives, whatever that's going to be. And so I, I, uh, I wrote that song and uh, it was actually the first song to dovetail, just to dovetail things back together. It was the first song that I had used to write uh, using GarageBand since I was like seventeen. So um, that's
0: hilarious.
1: Yeah, I rediscovered GarageBand over the pandemic, and it was it was. Uh,
0: well, you was, had two uh, years. Yeah, you know, and you yeah. were you guys were working like being creative at that time as well because I remember actually seeing you personally uh, doing the Zoom interviews with different people, your friends. Yeah, you know, and I thought that was a good way to keep uh, keep sharp that sort of thing and keep being creative and interested in what you're supposed to be doing. So good on sure. you you know uh december 10th bridgeworks solo acoustic luke is opening up for the killjoys uh, i think it's solo
1: electric i uh,
0: oh okay well that was good that's where i was going to go with the, the question electric or acoustic
1: yeah um i have an acoustic and i love playing it but
0: it's lost in a room a of 500 world. people if they're talking
1: yeah i just like i don't know i just i'm i am an electric guitar player that is uh i enjoy playing acoustic um sometimes for sure um and it's fun like especially kind of like working things out or you know warming up your voice before the show doing harmonies and stuff um but um in terms of actually like performing like uh I just fun, like the electric guitar is is so much more fun than the acoustic guitar. It's like it's there's no contest. It's like yeah. I don't need to play the Amish guitar for you. No, like,
0: I could,
1: like it's 2022. Yeah, we've got electricity. So,
0: hey, yeah, and some things some things translate uh, when they're acoustic. They can be very powerful, but uh, if you're good with the electric and it, it sounds better, and that's and BridgeWorks is a big room too. Well, you know. Th-
1: Subtlety's never been my strong suit so uh play to
0: your strengths kid yeah be a power forward on the wing if that's what you're gonna be play to your strengths man uh thanks for taking the time uh having this chit chat with us and i look forward to uh hanging out with you on december 10th at bridgeworks and uh and uh and i'll make sure that we have a a, i will personally go through the crowd and find the punishers to come back and round uh, them up I'll round them up, and we'll get, get them yeah. all standing in front of Gene and watch Gene just go, oh, my God, what are you doing to me here? Come on. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye, Big Bear, the new single from The Dirty Nil. Uh Special thanks to Luke for uh, doing the pre-recorded Zoom chat. We talked forever, man. That was a lot of fun. Um, check out Luke doing the opening uh, solo with his electric guitar for the Killjoys on December 10th. 2022 at BridgeWorks here in Hamilton Ontario. Hit up BridgeWorks for more ticket information and grab yourself a ticket. It should be a lot of fun. Now I got to go make some T-shirts. I got to make a T-shirt for Luke with a picture of me that says uh, Punisher on it, or maybe like Welcome to the Punisher. And I'm gonna picture of his face and I'm gonna put on a shirt and I'm gonna go Welcome to the Punisher and I'm gonna wear it because it's gonna be great. Because now I know there's two of us out there that just punish musicians with our enthusiasm and stupid questions and glee. Thank you, Luke, for being a part of it. TheDirtyNail.com. nail.com. Check out more information there. Steel city music.